0: Hello, it's Trish and Heather here and we're home design coaches and founders of The Scribble Club. The Scribble Club is an online community for people who like design, healthy and functional homes and are looking for creative inspiration from professional designers. We're so excited to announce our brand new podcast called The Sketchy Ladies. Our podcast is a mix of design and building advice from inside the industry. You'll get simple tips and tricks to help you overcome your design challenges with creative solutions. You'll learn how to create spaces you've always dreamed of but never had the confidence to design. We value beautiful, functional, healthy homes and that's what we're here to help you discover. As qualified designers and busy mums, we understand how your health, sanity and wellbeing can benefit from a well-designed home. There's no need to settle for second best. Each week you'll get some tips and tricks to help improve the spaces inside and outside your home. Make sure you subscribe to the Sketchy Ladies podcast and this way you won't miss an episode. You can find links to all of the episodes and other goodies at thescribbleclub.com forward slash podcast. The Sketchy Ladies podcast is here to help you create your dream home. Let's make it happen. Sketchy Ladies podcast ending one, take seven, I think. This episode was brought to you by The Scribble Club, our signature group coaching program to help women design beautiful, functional, healthy homes.
1: Check it out at thescribbleclub.com along with so many free resources to help you design and deliver the dream spaces in your home and get the results that you deserve.
0: If you loved this episode, please don't keep it a secret. Share it with your friends on social media and tag us at The Scribble Club.
1: We love hearing from our listeners and seeing your reactions to our episodes. We'd also love for you to leave a review on your favourite podcast platform.
0: Your feedback helps us grow and improve our content. It also helps other listeners to find our show. Have a wonderful day. We're the Sketchy Ladies and we're behind you all the way. Welcome to another episode of the Sketchy Ladies podcast. Trish and Heather. Today we'll be covering bedroom and ensuite design. So in today's episode, we're going over some of the three biggest challenges we have in designing a bedroom, how we can solve these challenges through good design and how we can avoid costly mistakes. Some of the subjects we want to cover is the function of the space, the flow of the areas between, and what other equipment, furniture and, and decoration we want to put into the space. Heather, you would have you would have designed a few bedrooms. I you? largely
1: do commercial, so we usually didn't have bedrooms, but on the domestic ones, yeah, definitely. Uh, so a we, lot of hotel rooms, I imagine. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And yeah. same things apply. I, I guess the difference in a hotel room, though, is that it's almost like a mini house. So you've got to have all the bits and pieces that go with it. Whereas in our bedrooms, my idea is more that bedrooms should be more of a sanctuary. I'm one of those people that doesn't even love the idea of having a television in the bedroom because I think that can be distracting. But I know people with full surround sound sort of theatre setups, their bedrooms, master bedrooms, that is their whole parents' nook and place to get away. But I also think that other things like home offices are probably best suited away from the bedroom. But often people have co-joined spaces. So a den or an office or something that sits to the side, that is their workspace. Bedrooms are different to what they used to be they used to be just a small room with a bed and possibly a wardrobe not even built in but these days we have walk-in robes we have en-suites we've got shoe closets shoe walls I saw one the other day that was magnificent I was so jealous I reckon (laughs) I'd be too the other one you showed me the other day little ottoman that all your shoes tucked into was absolutely
0: gorgeous I loved that it's funny because I know like yourself with I I agree with no offices and stuff but I do like my telly because if I'm crook and I'm snuggled up in bed all day I do want to have my telly to watch a movie or something to fall asleep to. Yeah, <laughs> so I
1: think they're yeah. pretty
0: much it always in these days
1: it's just yeah. one of those things where if you are trying to get better quality of sleep any sort of blue light or the light that's on during the night will be yeah. disturbing it goes back to whether you have an alarm clock or your phone or however you yeah. need to wake up whether you need to wake up with anything other than natural light and mostly these days we have blockout curtains to help us sleep that mm-hmm. just means it changes the whole circadian rhythm when we wake up so we don't have natural light to wake up that's another consideration that we want to look at is where are we facing our bedrooms in terms of the overall design, whether or not they face north or east, which would get morning sun, or whether they face south? Traditionally in house design, it's probably better to put them on the southern side simply because they get that nice afternoon sun, but they're not getting that morning sun to wake you up with a bright yeah. stream of light. In Australia uh, your, at least,
0: yeah. What's your thoughts on positioning? I do bed- I do a lot of like their second, third, fourth bedrooms have been normally to the south, and I don't mind putting the master getting the morning sun. Try and avoid the western sun, it can just be quite intense through summer. So, try and avoid bedrooms because they get hot, I'm trying to go to bed in mm. really hot, especially kids. I'm probably the same that, that South, and I don't mind putting the, the kitchen or the master to an east, grabbing the morning sun, although I'm a little bit back to front of my house. But, <laughs> <laughs> but as a general rule, that's how I would go about it as well. And. And it's that connection to living spaces and separation from living spaces too, isn't it? So it's when you've got that noisy telly going or the cooking in the kitchen and do you want the coffee machine on your back bedroom wall, those sort of things. I I like a bit of separation from bedrooms to main living areas if we can. A lot of time people might separate the main bedroom from maybe the kids' rooms too. When you've got young kids, you want to be close by and you want to hear them and want them to know that they can come to you safely through the night too. But then, when they're teenagers, you don't want them yeah. anywhere near. Like <laughs> we've evolved our house to be allowed that when they grow up too. It's the other way around. You really got to think about what the lifestyle of the of the clients, don't you? you really think what stage of life are they in, and where are they going to, and how do they want to live in the future? And like, and some people are, are quite happy for the kids to have the smallest bedroom. They have quite small rooms because they don't. They want them out in the living space, and then then there's the other side of that like you say with teenagers they live in our homes till 25 now aren't they they're not moving out at 17 or 18. (laughs) So they're going to want to get a bed and
1: (laughs) we don't all have the granny flat out the back and that's a really good point I always advise anybody if they're building any sort of bedroom to make sure it will at least fit a good double bed if not queen size bed because most people don't even use double beds anymore mostly it's queen size or larger And to have sufficient circulation, there's nothing worse than having a double bed, but it pushed up against the wall. So people sort of have to jump, catapult themselves into the other side of the bed. And that's always terrible. Mm. I hate when you see hotel designs and things like that, where they're pushed right up against the wall because it's just a nightmare for everyone. Particularly with aging in place, it's really good to leave about a metre or so around the edge of a bed. And that's quite big. As we said, a shopping trolley length width around the bed because if we have walking frames or wheelchairs or even on crutches as we get older or if we're injured being able to get in and out of bed is really critical to be able to do that safely and if you haven't got enough space then obviously if you think of a walking frame they're a big chunky item that you've got to get up and stand and help people stand so with aging in place it's always good to have that bit of extra space when you're designing Mm -hmm. it but We've really changed all of our en suites now, too, haven't we? There's so many cool designs where they're semi-integrated into the bedroom itself. What are your thoughts
0: yeah. on that? I always worry about doing that, having en suites close to a bedroom because of moisture. I'm a person who like privacy to my bathroom too, so there's so a lot of people are quite happy to have that all sort of open. To have the shower running and you trying to nod off to sleep there's not all that pleasant. <laughs> you can get a, a huge amount of moisture, and if you haven't got good ventilation from your bathroom, that can cause problems like extra dust and mold. Mold and mildew within your bedrooms, which is not great. I like to get into a nice, dry, clean bed as opposed to a damp one. Same <laughs> but, thing um... is
1: with your walk in robes as well, because mm. with mm. any sorts of shoes or leather goods or anything like that, moisture is the worst thing possible because molds build up really, really quickly. And so I often see designs where the robe is co joined with the ensuite so that the steam mm. would just be going all the way through the ensuite, even though it might look beautiful, it might look like it's really mm. spalacious. Palatial and spacious, it's actually really bad for all your clothes and health. You don't need mole spores building up in your clothes or no. in that sort of environment. So it, it really is better if you can to have a separate area that you can shut off just for practicality more than anything. But I have yeah. seen really gorgeous magazines where they've got freestanding baths on the other side of a bed head that, mm. that look magnificent. But the practicality mm. of them, not to mention the cleaning, we don't need to be cleaning. <laughs> additional spaces en suite and additional spaces and baths so we always come back to our cleaning it's important that you think of what the spaces you require and what's needed and also walk-in robes these days some of them are the size of a room and I wonder how many clothes does one need
0: I'm a fan of decluttering I like to have a good clean out I think I'll be doing that again coming into spring I totally agree with that it's got to be a point surely that we stop growing these areas to find the bedrooms I get that question all the time what's a good size for a bedroom and I say well I like to stick to 3.6 that is a broad loom meter on a carpet roll so when you think about your carpet roll they talk about um, the length or the width of the carpet is a broad loom each meter after that is how you normally charged as well so you're making the most of your carpet you don't have a horrible join down the middle of the carpet line or anything like that and 3.6 works beautifully for a good size queen size bed with plenty of room around it and it can also accommodate for a wardrobe in that too so That's my general go-to is 3.6 square. You can come down a little bit from that, but I wouldn't go much than 3.6 (laughs) metres. Why are we trying to accommodate the bath in there? Because some people prefer their bath in the ensuite as opposed to their main bathroom. Mm. One thing I
1: see too, um, this is particularly if you're going to, purchase a home or you're looking at open homes, often the second or third bedroom, they might call it optional study. If it's only got a single bed in there you can barely get down the edge of it, then that's a warning sign that that's not a good size bedroom. That Mm. is basically a cupboard that they've made into a bedroom. I've seen it a lot where people have taken big rooms and cut them in half and then tried to fit a wardrobe and beds and everything in, and it just gets too crammed. You might get the extra bedroom, but it's just not practical. might be practical when you've got a baby that's only... You've got a cot but when you've actually got kids it's just too crammed in the space and the other thing we've got to remember is how deep more robes are people often mm-hmm. forget that these have grown deeper and deeper uh, over time and the old size was probably more like 450 millimeters so just under mm-hmm. half a meter but they're more like 600 or even deeper sometimes now and they can be take up a substantial amount of space when you're thinking about that that's more than half a meter off a room so as Mm. you say if you start with a room size that's 3.6 and then put a robe we're down to three meters and that's where we Mm. start to feel tight around things Mm. when you're talking about spaces we probably just need to clarify that's clear spaces i imagine Mm. like clear walkable space and then if you've got robes or if you've got a, a ensuite or anything is on top of that in terms of size so a 3.6 size master bedroom will actually
0: have that extra 0. 0.6 of a metre added on mm. to one side to build your yep. robe into. About the joinery, I was talking about the size of their wardrobes and in the past we've made them when we've got a sliding door We'll go that 700 mil deep or 0.7 of a metre just to allow for slidings is notorious for sliding the door across and you catch all the coat hangers on the way back and you catching all your clothes and stuff. So having that little bit of extra depth can help there. And then opposed to a, a hinged door, you can probably get away with 600 mil deep, but that's normal. And then you go into a walk-in rope and you might only need that 450, 500 mil because you don't have any doors in front of it normally. So you get different rules for different areas in regards to joinery.
1: Mm, I had a covered. <laughs> In a place I had recently where the person had cut it down in depth so that it fitted in around the bed, but you couldn't actually hang any clothes because it was <laughs> shallower than the coat hang. So then they had to swap the coat hangers around so they hung sideways, and then that yeah. didn't fit anything in. So the whole thing was just a disaster simply because they've said, oh, it looked a bit tight between the end of the bed and the wardrobe. We'll just modify it a bit, and it just <laughs> made everything useless. You yeah. just have to be a bit careful about making things look like they're going to work when simply the overall space was not big enough to fit that wardrobe in there probably would have been better just to have some narrow shelves or something instead. With our walk-in robes stretch too there's heaps of different combinations we can use isn't there? From the joinery background maybe you can just mm-hmm. talk us through lots of different options that we could be looking at in either walk-in robes or built-in robes?
0: As a standard with a lot of project times or base level you're looking at just a, a top shelf and a hang, hanging rail. And then you might have a stack of shelves or some drawers and shelves combinations. That's just your basic standard. But nowadays we've gone into things like your half height hangings where you might put your shirts and your trousers above and below each other. You might be doing a lot more drawers. If you're a Marie Kondo fan, like I am, (laughs) drawers are brilliant. You can still use boxes inside the drawers to help organize your clothes. You've got the ability to then see also what's at the back of the drawer as opposed to just shoving more stuff on top of a shelf or in a basket. In a walk-in robe, you might have a beautiful colour and you might have some open shelves across the top to put some beautiful baskets so you can still utilize the storage and it still looks nice without needing to have doors on it as well and have that extra expense. Something I'm also seeing is in walk-in open spaces, you might be going to a colour of your joinery. So you might be going either a timber, a combination of white and timber or an actual coloured board. That does increase the cost of your joinery, but it can change the entire look and not have that white melamine sort of average looking sort of environment. Again, in a walk-in robe, you might have a proper drawer front, so you might enclose those cupboards a bit more and, and have a little bit more dressed up. There's a few ways of going about it. A normal standard cupboard, I know hinge doors were a big of a no-no there for a long time because they take up a lot of floor space in your in your, in your room. So there was a big run on, on sliding doors. And again, in a more budget environment, you might find that the sliding doors are the go-to. But I personally go for something a little bit more custom where I might have a hinge door on there. They're different to what they used to be. And also we don't make them so wide. So that way you're not taking up as much floor space. Personally, I like them because you don't have the failure of the tracks. You always have a door coming off the tracks. So there's a few changes that have happened in regards to what people like to do. There's some cost-effective ways of going about it as well.
1: I've seen some beautiful things on Pinterest because do love a bit of Pinterest envy dressing tables built into big walk-in robes so they're mm-hmm. almost like a, a, another room and so you can have all your hanging space and your shoes and everything but then there's a section the sit-down section that is dedicated to makeup and jewelry and there is some beautiful sliding drawers where the jewelry can all be placed mm-hmm. like a glass top and they look absolutely fantastic they're worth a fortune I'm sure but they <laughs> do look really really spectacular if you've got extra coin and you do want to spend it somewhere very luxurious then that would be a great place to do it because the result would
0: be you definitely feel like a princess when you're in that area for sure And I uh, think full length mirrors in a walk-in robe too, because that's when you generally, a lot of walking rooms are more as dressing rooms too, aren't they? You're sitting there at the dressing table doing your makeup, your jewelry. You might be wanting to look at what your shoes go with your dress. So having that full length mirror and good light. You know, Ours is an internal room. We don't have great light. We, our lighting turns on and, and helps, but there's not any natural light. And they're a room you don't need natural light and ventilation with, but it can be useful. So we can all spend up big and have the most luxurious robe to be off to the ball. <laughs> I love
1: it. <laughs> so some of the other things that we might consider putting into our bedrooms, obviously, uh, side tables or lamps, even chairs and desks, reading couches, lay down couches where you can read a book. What are the your favorites in other things that you can put into a bedroom?
0: I think there's always needs to be a chair for all the cushions off the bed, doesn't there? <laughs> there's always got to be somewhere to put the cush- extra cushions and pillows. I'm a little bit like you. I like the sanctuary. I don't mind a special chair in the corner or something. And I've got my grandmother's antique chair in the corner. It's a personal favourite of mine. I think you can overclutter be- bedrooms. I think a really good bedside table needs to be thought about well in the sense of having a bit of storage because you want to reduce the clutter. And somewhere you can put your cup of tea when you're reading a book. But also, you want it in reach, depending on the size of the bed and how high it is. They can be a bit low and a bit too far back. And um, you want something that's going to be easily accessible when you. And, and it's got to look good too.
1: <laughs> Fancy bed heads as well, where they've got built in shelving and all these great little ornaments They look fantastic yeah. in a magazine. But I'm thinking one bump and those things can come showering
0: down. <laughs> Yes, that <laughs> cup of tea, you're wearing it.
1: <laughs> so probably yeah. not so good to have that, but definitely something that we did a lot in hotels was have a feature board behind the bed. Mm-hmm. They can either be fixed directly onto the wall or fixed to the bed or combinations of different things. And the reason that that is, it just adds that element of, decoration and luxuriousness so they'll often be either in a fabric or a leather that just elevates the whole look and feel of the bedroom in a feature panel and often they could either have some form of lighting built in or a switch or noise controls that could be a radio or some sort of sound system announcement system it's just a way if you haven't got a lot of money but you are going for that luxe look putting a bed head in next to a wall can be a really easy and cheap way to do it you can actually do a lot of that at home off just a wooden frame and then stretch the fabric over foam and make it look really fantastic the other thing I've seen more recently too is lots of timber paneling so maybe a feature timber panel similarly as we're talking about their living areas where we've got our tv in it might be simply a feature panel that can have your wall lights mounted into it or switches uh, all the sort of awkward things some cabling so you can have charges built into it um, lots of different um, ways to use that as a practical feature, but something that really makes the whole room look a million dollars. Some of the other things we've got to think about is what all the equipment and decorations that we want to put in and will it fit. And as we both say, we decorative items aren't huge for you or I, but some people do love having photos of families and Mm. every bit of paraphernalia they can find in the bedroom. But Obviously, whatever we put in that's electrical needs some sort of power outlet. So, TVs, phone chargers, sometimes clocks, depending on what we're putting into that space, our surround sound, that will all need cabling and all need some sort of connectivity. And data is another big one. You might need data for whatever reason, a Wi-Fi point, that sort of thing. It's important that we consider all of that cabling before we fit out our room or fit off, before we put our plasterboard in. If possible, all of those elements have to be put in. So when we draw plans, we always put the bed into a position, don't we? We always make Mm -hmm. sure it's centered somewhere. So that way we can show where all the power points have to be relative to the bed. But that doesn't mean everybody's going to want to put their bed in that particular place. It's just something you've got to think about. if particular, if you are going to buy a home, somebody might have put the bed in a place that's really not good cool. you might yeah. have a beautiful view and the bed's right over on the other side or something you might want to reorient orange in. but just think about the implications of that have you got power points have you got lights does everything work because if you've got to put those in afterwards then obviously they're going to be expensive to
0: get all of that cabling in to where the new position of the bed is that's a really good point i always try and do locate the bed and go to two PowerPoints either side and then one on the other side of the room somehow. So whether that might be for a TV or a lamp or something. So that if you do want to sort of swing swing the bed around, there is an opportunity of still being able to reach a PowerPoint, won't be in the ideal position. It's a good way of um, being a little bit more universal. Um, Like you said, data as well. Sometimes we might be putting in an office or something that you want to have your computer um, connected. Teenagers will have that wanting to do that. They're wanting a few more things in their room. The other thing is in lighting and lighting is something that you need the flexibility. Generally, bedrooms are are lower lit or or they might have a more aesthetically pleasing light, enough to be able to read your book if you're reading. But then also, if you've got to pack your suitcase the night before you fly out, you want to be able to see what's in there. Having a brighter light to be able to see and be able to, you don't super need task lighting in a bedroom. But having the ability to have that soft level, low level lighting is important too.
1: You need to be able to read. That's my one. You yeah. definitely have to have enough lighting to be able to read. And the older we get, the harder it is to see without good quality lights. So you need to have mm. some sort of supplementary lighting locally if your overhead lighting is dimmer or not mm. controlled to the point where you can turn it right up. One thing I think that we should touch on is if you don't have any money, but you really want to make over your bedroom, then mm. the easiest way to do that is bedding and and pillows and decorations so just changing the whole look and feel a different color and these don't have to be expensive I mean op shops have great eclectic mm. things that if you're going for a certain style a mid-century style you might be able to pick up some quirky cushions so none of these things cost anything like what a renovation will cost but can have a really huge impact so even a different shape mirror a different frame different layers of pillows a different type of linens for example linens very popular at the moment relative to some of the other more shiny luxe looks in a bedroom depending if you suddenly want to go for an earthy look maybe plants on the bedside table plants are a great thing to have because they clean the air. So So you can make over a bedroom in a very reasonable way. It's one of the few rooms where you can just change a few things and get a really Mm. major impact. Have you got any ideas for... Doing bedroom makeovers? I know yeah. your daughter,
0: you were doing one recently. Thinking about the furniture is something that there might be a bit more of an investment, but you're right. You could do things like, and I've seen this a fair bit where they might actually paint something on the wall or use a decal or a sticker that might be, might operate or act as if it's the head. So they might give you a bit of a feature or paint's always a cheap option to go with unless you're renting, you don't go painting things. <laughs> there are things like that that can be really quite useful. Lighting can a, be, it can become a real feature too. If you've just got a bedside table, bedside lamp you could go with something quite tall and elaborate that might give you a bit of like character to the space something that you can put in your lamps and your pendant lighting is smart globes too so you can have that dimmable effect just changing your lampshade can make another difference without being hugely expensive linen is definitely one of my favorites to refresh a room
1: now, our next couple of episodes are going to go into bathroom design in great detail, so we won't mm. cover that too much. But just to wrap up, we probably do need to just touch on en-suites and what's mm. good to put in an ensuite. So obviously we need a toilet, a hand basin, a sometimes a bath or a spa bath if you want it, and a shower or any combinations of, but as a minimum, definitely a hand basin with some sort of vanity so you can store things. So a vanity is the bit that goes under the hand basin can also be a combination with overhead cupboards as well or built into a wall that can be all recessed and flush and then recessed in. And then also our toilets. So with our toilets, we've got options of what we call wall hung, ones that literally hang off the wall or floor mounted. They all have a different look and feel. The cistern, which is the back bit, can either be recessed into the wall meaning that it's hidden you just have buttons on the wall or you can have the full toilet suite. So you've got the system sitting there with the buttons on the top with showers I've seen a lot lately of double-headed showers so not just a mm-hmm. single shower it, it increases the size of the ensuite but for whatever reason you might see fit to want two showers and baths are the other one that we see a lot in en suites at the moment but having said that they're big expensive immovable items aren't they Trish you don't want mm-hmm. to put
0: it in the wrong spot and I suppose it comes down to how big you want your other bathroom to be as well so if you're thinking about secondary bathrooms normally the bigger one because you might have two kids in there so occupying the space a bit more so i'm making my ensuite so big and so my main bathroom so big i think prioritizing where you want that space invested and also like you're talking about two people a lot of the time depending on the lifestyle of the occupant so my husband and i we probably only use the bathroom at night together where we're brushing our teeth like when we don't occupy the space together very often at all mainly because he's up earlier we don't need have the need for a double-headed shower. But then you might have two people that travel to work together that both um, use the office. So it, considering lifestyles, I think is really, really important when you're planning out those spaces and where your priorities lie with the size of the footprint and, and what you put into it. When talking with a client, I might sort of say what, a bath is one of the first questions we ask when we get into the details, like do you want a bath anywhere? Is it going to be in the ensuite or is it going to be in the main bathroom? So working that out. Do you want your teenagers coming to your bathroom to use your baths? <laughs> There's a few I things weigh be- up.
1: I think to be clear, nobody actually needs a double-headed shower. I think they just want a double-headed shower for the yeah. look And feel of it. I don't think there's ever a practical necessity that you would require it. Because I think the water pressures guys too. I think it's a magazine thing where it looks fantastic, but the reality is you're paying double everything. I, I yeah. don't really understand why you would do that. But anyway, that's just our Each practical take on it.
0: Exactly. And that's I the don't lux, do many the... of them myself. Actually, I don't do almost none. So, so the main thing, Heather, we want to re- educate and research. You want to talk to the right people in the right trade. Aids for these spaces
1: absolutely and it, you can go very expensive or very wrong with a few poor decisions so if you suddenly have the Positioning in the ensuite, and you work in on site and don't like that. If you've got to move a toilet, if you've got to move a shower, you've got to move a base, and that costs a lot of money, and that can put you back in program, it can put all your trades out of work. So it's really important that you definitely consider. Well, if I'm lying in bed, I don't need a visual straight through of a toilet. I actually need a, a, a space or a door or some privacy or a repositioning, because they're the sort of simple mistakes that we see often that people mm-hmm. don't consider views for one run room to the other. It's really mm-hmm. important that that you either get a professional designer to help you or you spend a lot of time actually thinking about what you're doing and or come and do a course with us where we teach you how to design bathrooms so that they actually work and that we can give you lots of great ideas from professional designers which we are about how to do bathroom layouts tiling layouts get things to look really neat and clean that's our personal bugbear: cut tile where it doesn't need to be and it's all about (laughs) dimensions and positioning and layout in advance rather than just leaving it to the whim of a tiler to cut a tile right in the middle of wherever everyone walks and looks So wrapping up, Trish, we're on to bathroom design next, which is exciting. It's been great to be chatting today about bedrooms and en-suites and I hope everybody can tune into the Sketchy Ladies podcast next time where we'll be talking all about bathroom design.
0: This episode was brought to you by The Scribble Club, our signature group coaching program to help women design beautiful, functional, healthy homes.
1: Check it out at thescribbleclub.com along with so many free resources to help you design and deliver the dream spaces in your home and get the results that you deserve.
0: If you loved this episode, please don't keep it a secret. Share it with your friends on social media and tag us at The Scribble Club.
1: We love hearing from our listeners and seeing your reactions to our episodes. We'd also love for you to leave a review on your favourite podcast platform.
0: Your feedback helps us grow and improve our content. It also helps other listeners to find our show.
1: Have a wonderful day. We're the Sketchy Ladies and we're behind you all the way.